For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions, right here on the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am joined once again by an NFL All-Pro on the field and an All-Pro personality off the field. The 2014 interception leader, with 24 of those picks across his illustrious career with the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans, it's Glover Quinn. What is up, man? Oh, not too much. Just got back from vacation in Arizona. Absolutely beautiful down there. Awesome. Grand Canyon, stunning. Sedona is beautiful. Life yeah. is good. This episode of Believe in Lions is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Life is good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. I need a vacation. You're working too hard, Glover. You're working I too am. hard. Man, I feel like I'm working harder or more, probably more busier than I was even when I played. Oh, I can imagine, especially right now, because it's the it's the voluntary workouts, right? So <laughs> <laughs> right now you're you're working harder than anyone out there you know voluntary workouts are just you know i i i really hate the term Mm -hmm. voluntary workouts i really do just because you know they're not voluntary even though they are voluntary um but it really only goes for like the young guys as well you know i i didn't I took part in every uh every offseason program I took part in except for my last one in Detroit. I uh I uh told Matt Patricia I wasn't coming. I had um I actually had had a meeting with Matt Patricia. Him and Bob had flew out to my house in Houston. And um I had told him that, you know, I've 
I want I wanted out, you know. I felt like, you know, they were changing, you know, regime. They had just fired the coaches. I'm like, okay, you guys are going in a different direction. I don't know if you guys are trying to rebuild or like I don't know what you guys are trying to do. Um, but at that point, I really of my career, because I knew that was my last year. I knew mm-hmm. going into my tenth season that it was gonna take a whole lot for me to play eleven. So I really didn't want to start over in year 10. I was like, you know, this is going to be my last year, and I got to get a new coach anyway. Let me go somewhere else and finish my career. Let me come back to Houston or do something. Um, But he didn't want to let me out. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not coming to voluntary workouts. I'll be there for mandatory minicamp. And I do believe he held it against me to this day. And that's something I was wondering is I know it's voluntary and it seems as though the players don't mind when players miss it because for the most part, anyways, JJ Watt said he doesn't care about Kyler Murray skipping. So if JJ Watt approves of it, I'm assuming a lot of players are okay with it, but management, that must be a different story, right? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think, I think for JJ, he has to say that. Just okay. just because just because his voice is so big in the locker room, I don't feel like no team wants their starting quarterback to not be there in during these workouts because you're working on timing and installing the offense and getting better and better and better, having a better understanding, diving deeper into the offense, communicating with new wide receivers, just getting – back into the game and the most quarterbacks they are the leader on most of these teams you know what i'm saying but jj watt you know he's been in situations like Kyler murray he's been the big time guy that wants to get paid or deserves to get paid so he's not going to sit here and say Kyler murray should do this or Kyler murray should be here and this and this and that he's going to support Kyler publicly but I'm pretty sure if they're having conversations, he's probably like, "Hey, man, I know you. I know you need your money, and 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 this is that. But you know, let's see if we can figure out a way to like get some work in with these guys outside of football, uh, voluntary workouts or something, because you just don't want to start out so far behind." That makes a lot of sense. You're kind of putting the team at a disadvantage, even though you have to use the means at your disposal for the contract leverage. But when it comes to the management and the coaching staff, what kinds of things do they do in, I don't want to say in retaliation because that's a taboo word, but what kind of things happen with players missing workouts like yourself? Well, I think it depends on the coaches and the understanding and, and who you are as a player. And, most of the time, you know, every, every coach is going to want their guys to be there, obviously. They do understand that some things come up. But for the most part, if you come in and take care of your business like you should, it's not as many, you know, back backhanded comments. You know what I'm saying? But don't come in and get injured or don't come in and, you know, you're making mental errors because you don't know the, all the plays or 
you know, you're you're having some technique flaws, things that you could have spent a lot of time working on, learning in the offseason, and you decided not to come. So then now you come to training camp and you're behind in those areas, depending on who you are, that's an easy ticket out the door. Unless and they may not just quit. say it, but it's an easy ticket out the door. And then if you're a player like Glover Quinn, where you're not making those mistakes and you're who you are, the consummate pro, it's a little bit harder to uh, show you the door at that point. Well, like I said, I I, I do feel like um, the one off season that I missed, I do feel like, uh, you know, possibly hurt me a little bit. And then I do feel like it was held against me um, from from you know the staff. I, I I really do feel like that. I don't know if the the coordinator, uh, but a DB coach, I guess. Um, I don't know if they held it against me as much, but I'm pretty sure Matt Patricia held it against me. And did that result in any changes in playing time or anything like that, or just uh, nah, a personal thing? Nah, it didn't result in, you know, playing time type of thing. It was just kind of like, so they have been working out and doing all these their workouts the whole time. So they have been going through OTAs. And so all the players, had, you know, they understood how Coach Patricia was practicing. They have been, they have been going through it for the whole OTAs, right? Mm-hmm. So then I show up for uh for for mandatory minicamp and you know i barely get any kind of install right they didn't you know the whole time i was off in the off season i didn't get a playbook um, oh really yeah i showed up on that sunday i got a very partial install um that sunday night then we're right there in meetings monday and we're out there on the field for practice. And being a veteran, being a respected guy on the team, you know, maybe that's a situation where you're like, hey, I know he hasn't been out here. I know this and I know that. So we're going to ease him into minicamp. We're not going to just throw him in the fire, but he's going to be excited to be back. His teammates are excited, yada, yada, yada. I literally took every rep with the ones every rep every rep and i'm asking like plays like we will get a play in the huddle and i'm coming out talking to corner like all right what i got on this right here right because i hadn't had the install right mm-hmm. and like there were players coming to me saying like bro I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how you're taking all these plays because we've been doing this for three weeks and I still can't do it. You know what I'm saying? But then after practice, you know, we doing conditioning and I just felt like, and, and maybe it was just because I knew I didn't come to the offseason workouts and I knew the relationship and the conversations that I had with coach Patricia. I just kind of felt like he was trying me. Like I felt like he wanted me to like tap out or like say something or, you know, rebel or whatever. I felt like that's what he wanted, and I definitely wasn't going to show that. So I took every rep in practice, did all the conditioning after practice, 
just like it was nothing. But I, like I said, I felt like a lot of that came from him probably trying to prove a point to me because I didn't I didn't come to the offseason program. <laughs> and it feels like you're not the only former player under Patricia with stories like that. I know Darius Slay has had his uh, fair share, Quandre Diggs as well. Is that something that's Patricia specific or did you have that across other coaching staffs as well? Well, like I said, for me, I, I don't really know because I, I never missed the offseason program. Um, so, you know, coach Caldwell was very understanding. There were times where, you know, I may have left a meeting a little early because I was trying to catch a flight so I can go back home because I was traveling back and forth between Houston and Detroit during the off seasons. Um, but for the most part, I didn't have any, uh, any issues with any other coaches when it came to missing, um, off season workouts. And for the most part, you know, most of our guys, when I played, were there. You know, Stafford never had a contract, you know, dispute where he was missing training camp. Calvin Johnson never had one. When I was in Houston, Matt Schaub never had one. Andre Johnson, I think he might have had a tiny one. I think I think Andre might have had a tiny dispute where he might have missed one day, maybe in OTAs or something like that, but n- not a big deal um, at all. So – yeah, that was the first time I actually kind of really dealt with like the the I don't want to say mistreatment, but just like the treatment. Because when Coach Carl Wadden first got there in 2000, I think it was going into the 2014 season. So in 2013, I had tore my ankle with Detroit. My first year in Detroit, I had tore my ankle up in the first game against Chicago in week four. So I ended up having ankle surgery during the off season. So when coach Caldwell and their staff came in, I was at the off season program, but I didn't go through any of the OTAs. I didn't take any rep at all. No OTAs. I couldn't run with the team. I was kind of doing everything on the side with the trainers. Um, and like I said, no plays doing OTAs, no plays doing mandatory mini camp. So when we got the training camp, you know, that was the first time them actually getting to see me run around and play. Um, but I still didn't really get much, you know, much flack from the coaches. I mean, my DB coaches always come up to me and he'll say, are you as good as they say you are? And I was just like, I don't know. You will see. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You will see. And, um, I guess, uh, I guess it worked out. 2014 was a good year. I guess it did work out pretty well for uh, yourself and for the Detroit Lions as well. I guess uh, maybe you are as good as they said you were coming out of Houston and coming out of the Jim Call or sorry, the Jim Schwartz staff into the Jim Caldwell staff. Mm -hmm. And so with this whole mandatory mini camp conversation, Baker Mayfield is obviously skipping the Browns. That's a completely different situation. But should the Lions trade a late round pick for Baker Mayfield with the Browns just kind of needing to get him out the door for the sake of awkwardness? Well, I, like I said, I really do feel like with the Lions, they have to make a decision within the organization, within their hearts, 
if they believe in Jared Goff. If they believe in Jared Goff, then I don't think you bring in Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't think he has the personality to want to be a backup. Right. Yep. He's a he's he's been, you know, big time guy in college, you know, high draft pick. Like he's been a guy that wants to be in the spotlight. That's just that's him. Um, so if he know he's coming to Detroit as a backup, I don't think you bring him in for that role. There'll be plenty of teams that will need him maybe as a starting quarterback. Um, but I really feel like with the Lions, they have to decide what they want to do with Jared Goff. If they if they believe in Jared Goff, then that that eliminates a lot of the quarterback conversations because Jared Goff is our guy. He's young. He's in his prime. He's our guy for right now. So we can draft a young quarterback in late rounds and groom him as a backup. Um, we don't have to use any assets or – take anybody high in the draft to get another quarterback when we believe Jared Goff is our guy. So that's a decision that I don't know if they've come out and said. You know, I don't know if they've came out at any point and been like, hey, Jared's our guy. We're sticking with Jared. He's going to be our starting quarterback going forward. Or if they still have some doubt in their mind about if he can be the guy. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any diseases. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. It seems as though they're leaving it open-ended, but trending towards believing in him. So I think they have some reservations. However... When you have two first-round picks next year as well, that buys you some time. Jared Goff under contract for another year. You really don't have to make this decision anytime soon if you're Detroit. So why not just run it back with Baker? Sorry, run it back with Jared Goff and invest elsewhere on the roster. Right, and and, and that's what they'll do. Right, that's what they'll do. They they know they got first-round draft picks coming up next year. 
at where they're picking at right now, there may not be a quarterback at number two that they just absolutely love over Jared Goff. So, hey, we're going to run it back with Jared. We're going to use those picks that we have this year to build some pieces around him. He got one year left on his deal. So now we can see because we got two first rounds next year, right? He's either going to step up and have a, a huge year and he's going to be our quarterback going forward or he's going to, you know, not do that. And we're going to easily be off the hook because he's going to be a free agent. We're not going to have any money issues with him. And, you know, we'll have a couple of draft picks. So, you know, we can use that as leverage. Do we want to trade and get an established quarterback that maybe we can get? Or do we want to draft a young guy and say, hey, we're going to draft somebody and we're going to build with this guy. But it also depends on, like I say, it's a difference when you're drafting in the top five or you're a middle of the road team and you just didn't make the playoffs and you're drafting at, you know, 12 or 13 um, or you make the playoffs, but, you know, you don't make a good run at it. So now you're drafting at like 20. Like that's totally different when you start looking at those positions for where you're going to be drafting at in the first round. Just because you got first round picks don't mean you're going to be drafting number one and you got the access to the top player you know, in the draft. So I think there's a lot that goes into that. And I think if if that's what they're going to take, then they're going to have to come out and, like you say, trend towards that and give Jared Goff that confidence that the team has my back and they that they believe in me, um, which most of the time players know Unless you, if I'm in the last year of my deal, if you're not giving me an extension, you don't really believe in me. This is, it, it just is what it is, right? If you believed in me, you wouldn't give me an opportunity to go out and have a killer year because you know it's going to cost you a lot of money. So if you believe in me, you'll give me an extension, go and lock me up and be done with it. So that's kind of how it is from a player standpoint. But publicly, they're going to probably make it sound like they believe in Jared Goff. He's our guy. You know, we're sticking with Jared give him that public, you know, boost or whatever. And he's really in, in a one-year deal to see if he can if he can make something happen. Well, and you talk about those players that, if you believe in me, you'll extend me now. Debo Samuel, I don't know if you've been seeing the news that's come out today, but he's demanded a trade from San Francisco, and it's not about the money. According to Ian Rappaport, there's... N- it can't be solved by just offering him a bigger contract. This is about the role the between the tackles carries as a wide receiver. And so if Debo Samuel is out if in San Francisco, should the Lions trade for him to build around Jared Goff and give him even more help going forward? You know, first of all, I'm going to comment on Debo. I... I don't understand. Like that doesn't make sense to me. It's mm-hmm. not about the money. It's about the between the tackles carries and stuff as a wide receiver, right? That's your game, though. Mm-hmm. You you didn't really. Well, I ain't gonna say you didn't burst on the scene because you were just a super super great wide receiver. It was the many things that you could do. Be a wide receiver, put you in the backfield, break tackles, hand the ball off to you, do a lot of different things, create mismatches, right? So then as a player, when you're getting used in all those different ways, you feel like, 
when players say it's not about the money, that's that's tough because you like I feel like you're looking at all the things that you're doing as a player, right? And the team is gonna try to pay you or pigeonhole you as what they want to pay you as, right? Mm-hmm. So he probably feels like, man, I'm very valuable to this team. I'm a top wide receiver. I'm a good running back for this team. I make I I make a lot of stuff happen. But I don't know if, and I haven't looked at his stats and stuff like that, but looking at the numbers, he may not be a top five wide receiver, numbers-wise. Mm-hmm. He may not be a top five running back, numbers-wise. So then as the team, you offer him money based off of, well, you're the eighth best wide receiver in the league, so... This is what we're going to offer you, right? So mm-hmm. then as a player, you feel disrespected by that. You feel like everything that you do, putting your body on the line, taking those hits, as a wide receiver, playing running back, all those different things, you feel like it's not appreciated, right? The team doesn't value who I am and what I do and what I put myself through to be able to do the things that I do. So then now, like you say, it's not about the money anymore because – I already feel like you guys don't respect me. So now if you just pay me a lot of money, you're just stunting with your money, but you don't really respect me. And some players would rather just be somewhere where the team appreciates me. They respect me. They understand everything that I do, everything that I bring to the table. And, and I can live with that because either way, you're going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when it comes to the lines, you know, like I say, I, you know, when you look at the lines backfield, you know, I don't know, you know, if those guys stay healthy, I don't know how much they need Debo in the backfield. I mean, he's kind of like Swift, you know what I'm saying, in a sense, right? So mm-hmm. if Swift can stay healthy, they're kind of the same type of runners, catchers, you know. So then, like I said, is he a top just wide receiver if he's lined up against number one corners week in and week out, right? Is he running good routes and catching passes, or is he catching screen passes and making guys miss, breaking tackles because he's a strong runner and turning those short short passes into long gains, right? Because if you're going to be traded for – in Detroit, you are going to be the number one guy. So you're going to get, for the most part, either the number one corner or you're going to get the double team or you're going to get whatever they fear or feel they need to do to stop you if you're the number one guy and you're making noise. So I don't know if the Lions should make that move. I don't know. Especially because not only are you giving up the pick, you're also now forced to pay him a massive contract. And if you don't pay him the or get the contract sorted out when you make the trade, now as a team, you're held hostage, which we've seen time and time again, where you can't trade multiple first round picks or even a first round pick 
and then let the player walk after a season. That just doesn't yeah. happen. So either way mm -hmm. for the Lions, does this fit into their rebuilding plans right now? Or is it a luxury that isn't going to make the long-term impact? I, I don't think it's going to be the impact that they, that they will want. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot more to building a team than just getting good players. You know, you, you got to have the right personalities. You got to have the right guys. And I don't know Debo personally, so please don't hold me to that. And I'm sorry if I offend you. But just coming off of the season that he had, you know, being in the California market, so to say, San Francisco, big time. I don't know if he wants to come to the if he would want to come and play in a market like Detroit. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know if he would want to be off of the big stage. Some guys like the big stage, they like the attention, they like all those things. And so I don't know if Debo would be one of those guys that that don't like that, that will want to say, Hey, I'm gonna go to Detroit and I'm gonna help hopefully turn this thing around. But um you may not. You know, I don't know. So I think you got to make sure you're getting the right personality, the right kind of guys, um, the right guys to fit your system, to fit your program, fit in with the community, understand the community. And um, so if Debo's that guy and they feel like he can do that and bring that to the team and to the city and he's worth, you know, what they're going to have to give up to get him, then maybe you make that move. But me, I don't think that's the move for the Lions. I tend to agree with that right now. I don't think that really it fits into the big picture. It adds too many question marks. And like you said, there's kind of two ways. And I, I picture Buffalo in the same scenario a couple years ago when they tried to trade for Antonio Brown and he vetoed it. He said, nope, not coming to Buffalo. Whereas Stefan Diggs, he was happy to go to Buffalo just to feel appreciated by the team that wanted him. And now he re-signed at a discount, taking about $6 million a year less than Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill because Buffalo's starting to feel like home. So I don't know Debo Samuel either, and I won't pretend to know him, but it's just a tale of personality types at the wide receiver position, which I'm sure you've had a lot of experience lining up against so many. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, Stefan's a talented guy. His personality fits what Buffalo's team, you know, is. You know, he likes that style. He tries to play tough, even though he's a smaller guy. He tries to play tough. You know, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, like got much respect for Stefan and his game. And, you know, I can see Stefan's situation being a lot like mine. You know, Stefan was a fifth round draft pick. I was a fourth round draft pick. You know, Stefan's playing really well in, in Minnesota, but they also had other guys that were playing with really well, right? I felt like I was playing well in Houston, but they had other guys. So in order for me to whatever, like I had to be the one that had to leave. Stefan had to be the one to leave. And in those situations, when you feel like you're the one that has to leave, you love to go somewhere where you are wanted. So when the Buffalo Bills step up and show Hey, Stefan Diggs, we appreciate you. We value you. 
we want you here. And then he comes in and he's able to be himself. He's able to be a leader. He's able to have his personality, do all the things that he does, and then put up numbers, Have play with a big quarterback like Josh Allen, you know, play with a good defense, be in the playoffs, pushing, trying to get Buffalo back to that, to that Super Bowl. You fall in love with that, right? It was the same way, like I said, for me, you come to Detroit and they give you an opportunity to be the guy and when you come through and deliver and you know the team starts to get built around you and your personality and you can feel your mold on a group on a defense on a team then that's where you want to be you want to be somewhere where you appreciate and where you want it and so you know for for Debo he may not feel that way and then he may I don't know. You know, he may. I don't know. Um, but you got to be real careful with those situations because, you know, you can get these guys a lot of money and they can come in and really just don't want to be there. You know what I'm saying? Really just don't want to be there. And they do enough just to, you know, collect their checks for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden you're shipping them out the door, but you done paid them $55 million. You know, so it's it's tough. It is. It very much is. And it feels as though for a lot of players that I've talked to, respect is everything. And I was talking to Ray Crockett, former Detroit Lion, a couple months ago, and he said what sold him on Denver was Pat Bolin sending the private jet for him to, I think he was living in Detroit still at the time, but regardless, sent the private jet for him. And the Colts just did the same thing with Stephon Gilmore to get him to sign Robert or the Ursay's Robert private jet flew in. So is that the secret to feeling wanted is the private jets or what do the lions do to get you there? Well, I mean, I will say this right here. <laughs> the year <laughs> that I came out, the lions did not send the private jet ah. for me. I will say that, but um, that has been what they did because I remember my free agency year, I think the the top signing safety was Deshaun Gosen, mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay sent the PJ to get Deshaun Gosen, and he ended up signing in Tampa. Um, but I think just from a player standpoint, when they send the private jet, the owner's private jet, that automatically tells you you're the guy that we want. We're we're laying out the whistles for you from the very beginning. You know, when I, like I said, when I was a free agent, um, that was the first year I think that they kind of introduced the tampering window, right? Okay. So the tampering window opens up. Detroit's the first team that gave me a call, called my agent like 1205. Right? I think the window opens at 12. They call it like 1205. Um, so they had, you know, kind of been talking. And like I said, and I tell anybody, you know, Detroit was not the first team on my radar. I'm saying like, I didn't want to come to Detroit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, bro, you got, you know. But they were the first team that called me. So they they had a special place in my heart because I felt like they're the team that wanted me, I would probably say, the most, right? They called first. Like, you're going to be the first call that we get, right? Um, And so – when it got time to come out there on a visit, once I decided, okay, I'll go out there on a visit, because you had like the two two or three days. 
And once I decided to go out on a visit, you know, they couldn't actually book my flight um, to Detroit before the league year started. Right. Oh. So they had told me, hey, there's a five o'clock flight out of Houston. You know, we're going to get you on that flight so you can have your bags packed, be ready. Because once the league year opens, which would be three o'clock my time in Houston, once the league year starts, we're going to book, we're going to buy your flight. We'll email it to you. So I was already packed. You know, I left my house, headed to the airport before the uh, email even came in because the flight was leaving at like 5.15. So I knew I'm like, all right, I got to be, you know, I got a good 45, 50 minute drive to get there. So I'm going to take off before three o'clock. I need to be at the airport almost at three o'clock. So I had took off and on my way over there, I get the call and, you know, the itinerary came in and I check in and I get on the on the plane and they flew me out first class and that was it. So no, nah, they didn't they didn't send the PJ out for me, but um, you know, I think I think when players get the PJ, that's 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 a sign that they they that they really they really going all in to try to get you. And Ray Crockett put it as you feel as though you're the missing piece when they send that private jet. And that's what Stefan Gilmore had to say about his signing with the Colts is he can be that missing piece on that Colts defense going forward. Do you still think he is that lockdown corner that he was for so many years in New England? I think I think he can be. You know, I think the older you get, you learn how to play um, better. You learn how to play smarter. You learn you you understand your body. You understand the things that you can do. You understand the system. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, you know, does his game fit with the system that they want to run? And for them to send the PGA, for him to take the the visit and actually sign, they had to have made him feel like the system that you guys are going to be running is going to fit me. And I'm going to be able to help you guys because I'm that guy. And that's a challenge that Stefan took at this point in his career. Um, and I hope it I hope it works out for him. You know, I think he's a good guy. I was doing my podcasting last year, uh, two years ago, maybe, when I was doing my DB Room podcast. And Stefan came on, um, did a did a live show with me. So um, yeah, I like Stefan. I like his game. So hopefully he can, uh, you know, he can come out and 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 end and make a difference on the defense. They got a good defense, good secondary. I know my DB coach used to be there. He's not there anymore. Um, Allen Williams, he took the uh, coordinated job in Chicago, I think. So um, I don't know exactly what they're going to do in, in Indy, but I don't think you can go wrong adding Stephon Gilmore. I'm glad to hear that because I'm a big Stephon Gilmore fan as well, but obviously I don't know the DB tape like you do. So hearing that he still has it and still has the chance to be great with Indy, very exciting and one of the things with Indianapolis, they've got Gus Bradley, the former Seahawks defensive coordinator. So he's known for a lot of that cover three single high safety, which is a little bit different than what Gilmore did in New England, where he was just locked on to the wide receiver one. 
do you read too much into that change or is it so much overlap in concepts anyways that it isn't as big a deal as people make it out to be? Yeah, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be because nowadays a lot, a lot of a lot of the teams, the way they play cover three, it's almost like they're playing man to man. You know, it's every now and then you get some systems where they play a true cover three, like old school thirds. But the offenses are so good nowadays that they've had to modify the the defenses. So a lot of times you get these guys they're playing cover three, but it's almost like you're playing man to man. And I think Steph is smart enough to understand um, how to play a cover three system, how to be a man to man guy, how to make it all look the same, how to mix up your looks to where it looks different. Um, I think I think Steph is is definitely smart enough and and vet savvy enough to be able to take that on. So I don't think that would be uh, that big of a deal. And you say Gus Bradley from Seattle. Was he out there with um, – He's you know, with the when, Raiders last year. Uh, so when, when was he in Seattle? He, back they, in their Super Bowl days. And then he went to Jacksonville and uh, that whole saga. Okay. Okay, yeah. Nah. I, I think Steph would be fine. Yeah, yeah. When you're that elite of an athlete and that elite of a corner, you're going to be fine no matter the system is what yeah. I've – seem to learn throughout my NFL fandom. Not necessarily though. There's been some guys that have played in very friendly systems that got put in other systems that wasn't that was not as friendly and they did not enjoy the same success. This is so true. yeah I can think of some notable examples yes. here. Yes. Uh, I should have rephrased when you're the Stefan Gilmore's, the <laughs> Richard Sherman's of the world is kind of where I was headed. The uh, Darrell Revis is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you got to think like even Darrell Revis, Darrell Revis was locked down in the Jets, right? Like locked down. He's a man to man type of guy. He goes to Tampa and they're in that cover two kind of system. Yeah. I'm not saying I me. Mean, he wasn't there. The 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 longevity or the the terms of his contract. He he was he was out of there before. I know he was doing like those one year like deals. I think he had like a six year deals, but they was really all just one year like yeah year to year type of deals, right? Um, but that system, in my opinion, it took out two guys because like i said deshaun golson was the safety that signed in tampa my free agency year and if you remember deshaun golson was in san francisco and they ran a quarter system they ran a a single high robber safety type of system and deshaun played that role really well he could drop in he could tackle he can he could play quarters he played that role really really well and he got rewarded for it contract wise but when he went to tampa and they tried to make him a cover two safety he didn't have the same impact therefore i think he only played two years of his five-year deal in tampa and then all of a sudden he gets traded to washington or gets picked up by washington and then that doesn't work out now he's in he was in atlanta and then all of a sudden guy that signs five-year 40 million dollar deal is 
not even playing anymore. And so is that something that can be avoided from a coaching and front office decision? Or is that something that's hard to know until you have the guy in the building on the field? I think I think these guys are way too smart. I I just feel like sometimes they get caught up in the name as opposed to how does this person fit into my system, right? If you're Tampa and you feel like you need a safety to help shore up your defense, then you probably want to go after the top safety that's considered a free agent, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the top safety that's considered a free agent, well, that is a free agent, is Deshaun Gosen. Well, he's had his success in San Francisco as a quarters safety, a single high middle third safety, a drop-in robber type safety. That's where he has success. Why would you sign him to a cover two team where he's not doing the things that you saw him do to be successful? So now it's just, to me, that was just, we need a safety. He's a top guy. Let's go and get him. He should be able to play in a cover two system. The system is easy. It's really cover two. It changes you up. When you the same thing, you play in cover two, you're going backwards, right? Because you're the you're the deepest guy, so you're playing in a lot of space. When you're a safety and you're playing in cover four, or you're playing in a drop-down robber situation, now you're more aggressive. You're coming forward because you got people to protect you over the top. So now I can be aggressive, come down here, hit guys, make tackles, drive on balls to, to, to make, you know, pass breakups. I can do all those things because there's protection for me. When you put me in cover two, now I'm playing back on my heels. Next thing you know, I'm put in tough tackling situations because I'm in so much space. And that's not for everybody. Every, that's why you have different body types and different guys that can do different things. And so – I don't know why teams do that. I really don't. I feel like they're way too smart. They got way too much scouting to be able to look at a guy and say, yeah, he's been good, but he's a man-to-man corner. And, I mean, you look at Numni Asamoah back in the days, right? He's a lockdown, bump-and-run, man-to-man corner in Oakland. Philly brings him in and wants him to play all these different zones. And, like, that's not his game. So then he go to Philly, and he's not the same guy. The dream team, as Vince Young dubbed it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Awful. Like the Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Uh, It it really is frustrating when you see players misused and misunderstood and just – from a fan perspective, sometimes you can even see it coming. It's – why? Why? Why is – uh, one of the best scenarios that I remember is why is Anthony Barr, the middle linebacker, lined up on Robert Woods ever? Why? And then he's streaking down 70 yards for the touchdown. It's just so much stubbornness, it feels as though coaches and front office personnel make and who they bring in and what they ask them to do after the fact. No question. No question. Egos, stubbornness is all types of things. And that's why guys, that's why guys be wanting to get paid because they understand the job that you're having me do, right? Like, yeah, I might be the middle linebacker, but you're playing me 
matching up on these guys like I'm a cover guy. Like, don't just pay me a bottom salary as a middle linebacker because I mean way more to this team than that. Now, to somebody else's team, I may not. But to this team, I mean more than $4 million. I mean eight to this team in this defensive system. And coaches don't they don't they don't see it that way. Especially when you have the draft coming up and it, all the new shiny toys. Well, we can just replace you with someone younger and cheaper and more athletic. And oftentimes that doesn't work out the way you expect it to. Or sometimes it does and you get a fourth round all pro in Glover Quinn. So what was the pre-draft process like for you? Did you know you were going to Houston? And did the Lions show any interest at that point before they signed you four years later? And nothing from the Lions Ooh. at all. Nothing. The whole entire time. Um, my pre-draft, you know, I could take it all the way back, right? So I get, I get a late invite to come to the East-West Shrine game, right? But the Shrine game was in Houston that year. I played corner in college, but they had me labeled as a tweener coming out. So then a couple guys went down at the East-West game as safeties. They called me, asked me if I want to play, but as a safety, not as a corner. So, well, I don't want to turn down the opportunity. Mm -hmm. They got me labeled as a tweener. Bump it. I'm going to go show them that I can play some safety too. All right. So I go to the East-West game, play well. Um, didn't get an invite to the senior bowl, got invited to the combine. Go to the combine. I bench good, jumped good, ran good, tested good. I mean, I had a pretty good combine. I probably made myself a lot of money at the combine. Um, and so after the combine, you come back, now you got your pro day, right? So I go to my pro days. A lot of teams were were there. Um and I thought I had a good pro day. I thought I had good meetings, um, all those different things, you know. And like I said, some teams were looking at me as a corner. Some teams were looking at me as a safety. Some teams were looking at me as like cover two corner type guy. Um, so I was, I had a lot of talks with you know Chicago and Tampa, um, and then you had the teams, you know Jacksonville that was running a four three system, but they wanted me to be like that linebacker. There's a lot of different things, different ways that they were talking about using me with different teams um so then after that now you get into private workouts um i had one private workout with uh new england um they came out to new mexico worked me and the other corner out um had that then after workouts you get into pre-draft visits i had one visit i visited atlanta with the falcons um, and, you know, they had told us when we were in Atlanta that, you know, if you're here, you're on our draft board, like you're, you're, you're one of the guys that we're thinking about drafting. And I was there and it's funny because a lot of the guys that were on the visit with me got drafted by the Falcons. Um, Ooh. I just wasn't one of them, <laughs> but, um, maybe, I, maybe I got picked 
before they, you know. That's what I'm thinking. You got. They maybe would have got me in the fifth round. Texans sniped you from the Falcons. Who? So I didn't hear much from the Texans outside of, you know, you go to the combine, you have the regular meetings that every team is just having, just kind of information to meeting, making sure they got your name right, your phone numbers and emails and all that stuff. Um, basically what they call informal interviews at the combine. You have formal interviews where you're in the room with all the coaches, the staff, the, the guys, and they're interviewing you. And then you have the informal ones where you're just kind of all in the big room. Each team got like a table, and they just kind of just pulling all the guys to make sure that they are talking to everybody, getting everybody information. And so I didn't have any like major meetings with the Texans. Um, you know, even leading up to the draft, I didn't really hear much from them. You know, if, if I did, so when I got there, Perry Carter was the uh, assistant DB coach, and Perry Carter is from the same county that I'm from in Mississippi. So Perry would call me every now and then, see how I was doing, and, you know, nothing crazy, but he would call me every now and then. And so I, I had no idea that I was going to Houston. Like none at all, and then um, go through the drive. The first day go by because back then it was just two days. Um, first day go by, they did the first round, second round, and didn't get a call. And then so you go to the second day, you got three through seven. Third round go, you get to the end of the third after the Texans picked in the third round, they call me, and it was Perry. You know, he's talking to me, asking me all these questions, you know, all this stuff. And then he was like, well, we think about taking you with our fourth round pick. I'm like, well, bet. But they had just picked in the third round. So I'm like, I got to wait another basically whole round for you guys to pick again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it gets closer to their pick. And I look up and I'm like, oh, man, they got two picks in the fourth round. They had the 112th pick. And they had the 122nd picks. I'm just like, man, please take me with 112 if y'all going to take me. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there. Now they're on the clock. Hadn't heard anything else from them. And I'm just kind of sitting there. And then I think it was like two minutes and 30-something seconds left on the clock. My phone started going off. And I looked down at it. It was an 832 number. And I answered it. And it was, it was the Texans. They got me. That was it. I didn't have anything crazy. You know, I didn't talk to any other teams, more so out of just the normal, them calling in, checking, making sure you're still healthy and make sure they got the right number. You know what I'm saying? Just the basic stuff. So I kind of had a pretty smooth, easy uh, pre-draft process. But I also was a player that – they probably didn't have a lot of questions about either. You know, I was kind of who I was. You can see it on film. You know, the big question with me was, can I run? And a lot of the teams thought, you know, can he run? Um, so when I went to the combine and I ran a good time, then it was like, okay, well, he can run. We know he's smart. He's physical. He Like, he's a guy that we can we can trust. And, like, we don't – I don't think we have to continue to meet with this guy. So I didn't really have a lot. So – you hear the stories about Pete Carroll doing these crazy things where he's doing staring contests for the interviews. He's taking his shirt off versus DK Metcalf to flex. 
did you have anything like that? Or was it just strictly business? We know this guy is serious. We're not going to waste his time with the, yeah, I didn't have any, I didn't have any, anything crazy at, um, at, at my meetings. The, the craziest thing I could say I did have though. <laughs> and I don't know. I kind of, I kind of carried it with me in my career too. Um, so I had a meeting, former meeting with Chicago Bears, right? And at the time, Lovey Smith was the head coach, right? So the the formal interviews, I think they're like 15 minutes or 30 minutes had to come by or something like that. I can't remember. So I'm in my meeting with Chicago Bears, and Lovey Smith literally didn't say a word to me, like literally just sat there and looked at me like, like literally did not say a word. And if the interviews were supposed to be 15 minutes, my interview with Chicago ended in like seven minutes done. (laughs) So I walk out of there. I'm just like, that was weird. Like, did I do good or something? That's why it ended so fast. Or were they just like not interested? Cause Lovey didn't say a single word to me. And so I kind of, I kind of held that grudge throughout my whole career with Lovey. Just like, I don't know what it was. You, you, you didn't say nothing to me, Lovey. And now he's the head coach for the Houston, Texas. So <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about that now? Is that a little bit awkwardness in your heart or still holding that? Uh, I'm still holding it a little bit. I can't lie. I I, I want to know. I mean, maybe that was his tactic. Everybody has these different tactics that they do in these meetings. You know, my career is long and over right now. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind asking him about it. They'll just like, you know, what what were you trying to do? Like, what were y'all thoughts? Did, did y'all just like, were y'all like not impressed at all? That's why my meeting ended so fast. That's why you didn't say anything to me. Or... Did I just knock it out the park and you just, you know, got your good poker face and y'all didn't have anything else? And I had passed the test with flying colors and y'all were done. I don't know. I would like to know that, though. I'd like to know that, too. We've got to talk to Lovey Smith at some point, maybe do a <laughs> Believe in Lines Texans crossover and get him to answer what was going on with that poker face. What was going on, Lovey? <laughs> what the good, heck though. was that, Lovey? It's all good. I'm glad to hear that. And so with the draft coming up next week, interesting to note that only two quarterbacks got invited or I don't know if they were invited. Only two quarterbacks are attending the draft. Does that mean anything that Malik Willis and Matt Corral are going to the draft and Kenny Pickett is staying at home? Could the two attending have some assurances that they're going to get the Jersey walk on stage, the hug with Roger Goodell. You know, that's always a tough, tough thing, man. Um, you know, you just never know how the draft is going to play out. I'm sure if you're a top, you know, one, two quarterback, I mean, you're probably expecting to go at some point in the first round and you may want, the experience of the draft being there, going through all the interviews and 
the environment, the experience, like you may want to have that. Some guys don't. Some guys would rather stay at home, be in the comfort of their own home around people that they grew up with, that that's in their support system, and they want to share that moment with with everybody. Um, so some of them, I think I remember, you know, when Joe Thomas got drafted, he was like number three pick, and he was on a boat fishing. You know what I'm saying? He was out in the middle of the water fishing when he got drafted. You know what I'm saying? So some people are just different. Um, but I don't know how strong this uh, quarterback class is, but for only two quarterbacks to be going to the draft, at least for the first day, uh, it's not that shaping up to be like – I mean, you would think there's four, at least three or four, maybe five guys that could be – first rounders as quarterbacks, but I mean, they only got two. That's tough. It is. And that's what I'm wondering what's going to happen. Who's going to be making that walk across the stage to put on that Honolulu blue Jersey. Are we going to get two walks across the stage within the first round and the end of, or sorry, the top of the first and the second. There's a lot to happen here that it's a great time to be a Detroit Lions fan. And I can't wait to figure out where this team is going heading forward. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, like I said, I, I can't even sit here and say that I've been keeping up solely with everything that's going on with the draft and the prospects and all those things. But the Lions let Trey Flowers out the door, right? Yep. If they believe in Jared Goff... I could see them drafting Aiden Hutchinson at number two. That. Michigan, Michigan guy, be huge for the city. It's a rush in guy. He seems like, and I don't know him, but he seems like a Dan Campbell like type of energy. You know, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, JJ Watt, TJ Watt type of guy that. Plays hard, has good attitude. If they if they like what they what they got with Jared Goff, I wouldn't be surprised if they take him number two. They just signed Tracy Walker, so I don't see them taking a safety from you know Notre Dame at number two. I think they'll go Aiden Hutchinson. Number two. That seems to be the consensus and the hope amongst Lions fans. Keep the hometown kid in Michigan, bring him to Detroit, and build that franchise around Aiden Hutchinson. Yep. I can't wait to see it. We'll be watching next week. We know that'll be happening on the Thursday round one because Aiden Hutchinson's obviously going in the top two picks if he doesn't (laughs) go to Jacksonville. But until then, Glover, you have any pluggables to plug, anything to cover that you've been working on? Um, not yet. Not yet. I got a lot of stuff in the works, a lot of stuff coming through the pipeline. Um, but I like to keep it quiet until it's, it's time. I, I like to keep it quiet until it's time, but I will say, you know, I, I, I appreciate the D I got my, uh, my old English D hat on this D actually stands for the dirt bags is our baseball team, but the fact that I played for Detroit and it looks like, you know, the, the D, like I wear it all the time because it's cool. 
So um, shout out to the Dirtbags this weekend and shout out to uh city of Detroit. Shout out to the Dirtbags. You could have fooled me. I thought it was a Tigers hat. <laughs> shout out to the Tigers as well. Shout out to Detroit. And until then, we will see you next time. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.